Hello, and welcome to an episode of Hollywood Chop Shop, slumming it up in the middle of a bitter drug war. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be reviewing part one of our Gangs trilogy with 2003's City of God. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Sell the Farm, Zed's Dead Baby, War Doc, No One Gets Out Alive, and Poetic Justice. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. Uh, hey, man, I was just going over uh, some of the invoices from last week, and uh, I'm a little bit confused. Oh, yeah? Uh, it, let me just say, I appreciate you covering my extra week of vacation last week. I, you're a real mensch. Oh, man, just quit beating around the bush. Just get to it. Uh, well, it looks like we had several customers come in for service, but uh, no, no payments were made. Like, we have this guy, Ned. Got a full realignment and a fluid flush, but no payments. Yeah, I, I mean, if you'd met him, I, I think you'd understand. The dude was just so cool. Uh, okay, well, what about this one? A lady named Angelica had $700 worth of repairs done, and uh, she didn't pay a dime. <laughs> I, I'm actually a little embarrassed to say. Uh, she was flirting with me. I, I just couldn't bring myself to charge her. She was gorgeous. Please tell me you're kidding. And I mean, dude, there's like six more of these. You know, Brett, to be a good chop shop, you have to, you know, charge the customers. Listen, it takes more than money to be a good chop shop, Travis. You have to have ideas. Why, hello there, everybody. Me and uh, Travis thought this would be a good opportunity to uh, explain the new format of the show going into 2023. Um, so, not... Many major changes, just the way we form our trilogies. Before, we kind of just kind of loosey-goosey put three things together and called it a day. So starting this year, we decided what we would do instead was that one of the movies from the trilogy would be something that was 20 years old, a 20-year anniversary. Uh, mainly because this is about the time me and him start working in the movie theater, so we have a lot of like nostalgia for some of the stuff coming up. One of the movies would be an oscar best picture winner and then the third would be something we just chose randomly or not randomly we, it was for a reason it would relate the two and essentially create the trilogy um so this is the first of those um this is 20 years old and uh 2003's city of god hope you enjoy the new format thanks An aspiring photojournalist recounts the rise and fall of the drug war in the slums of Rio de Janeiro during the 60s and 70s. His unique perspective gives life and color to the residents who experienced the peace and inevitable destruction the gangs brought, as well as the rich history that keeps the cycle in motion. While some want to control what most wish to escape, it's clear there's truly only one way out. Already, Travis. Oh, what are you going to say? No, I just the uh, the intro that you did, like you sounded like a, a war journalist on the on the front line. Like that opening should have been on sixty minutes. So already phenomenal job. I, I had to channel this movie. All right, <laughs> all right. So you're providing the words for rockets images. <laughs> so you know we'll jump into five point inspection, but Travis, you know I gotta know what is your quick diagnostic of. So here's the thing: 2022, 2023s. City of God. I think it was released in Brazil in 2022. It's U.S. No, no. theatrical release. Was it? 2000. That's what I'm trying. 2002. I don't. What is time? Yes, I think it was released in Brazil in 2002, and its U.S. theatrical release was 20 2003. 2003. Oh boy. Look, I, already I off to a great you start. For being, I compliment <laughs> you for being Walter Cronkite, and then you already <laughs> fucked it up, Brett. So great job. <laughs> Listen, I play the part and then I'm out, all right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is 2003 as far as the release in the United States, City of God. 20 uh, years I, later. 20 right? years later, yeah, uh, which I think is going to be a theme, which I think that you're going to mention in the opening, but we haven't 
I haven't heard you say it yet, but I bet you're going to say something about you. You're just peeling back the curtain and just shine the light (laughs) on this, you know? Uh, So, yes, this was released in 2003. And as we kind of discussed off air, I saw it back then and I loved it, but I haven't seen it since. And I was incredibly nervous to do this review and this trilogy, Um, this trilogy because we're going to do a goddamn musical, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Our first musical. <laughs> Our first musical. Uh, yeah, I saw this movie, and to this day, the only two things I remember about it, Brett, is that I liked it. I don't know why, because it's been so long. And it had a beautiful poster, like one mm-hmm. of the most gorgeous posters in, in cinema history. And I think you own it. it did you say that you I- have it on your wall? I actually don't own the theatrical poster. I own uh, a design studio out of Orlando redid it. It's a really cool poster where they basically just superimposed a bunch of buildings. So it basically just looks like slums on top of slums. And then City of God is kind of put in there. I'll uh, after the show, I'll, I'll show it to you because it's it's a great poster. Interesting. Well, uh, even the the cinematic the 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 theatrical release poster i thought it was very good but yeah um again i was incredibly nervous to review this because as much as i i thought i loved this movie back in 2003 i haven't watched a whole lot of uh foreign language films since then i could probably count them on one or two hands i'm ashamed to say (laughs) um and Boy, when this movie opens and it's it's the scene with the chicken escaping, I was like, oh, my God, I have to watch this for two and a half hours. And then the hotel scene happens. And from there on, I remembered to an extent why I love this movie. I was hooked from the hotel scene. So I wanted to just kind of try to uh, fake you out a little bit and make you think that maybe I hated it on this rewatch. No, I. God damn this. I can't wait to talk about this movie, so I'll, I'll leave it there. What, what about you? <laughs> uh, I will say the same thing. It's one of those, it is hard for me to define why I like this movie because it's one of those, and we'll get into it. I don't know if there's a real clear message at the end of this movie um, because a lot of it is like, you know, you want to do the crime doesn't pay, but I, I don't know. There's, there's just so much because at the end, yes, Rocket gets his career, but there's that pivotal moment at the end of the movie where he basically has to decide between does he want his fame and fortune or does he want the job essentially and to pose, you know, basically submit the picture of a dead little Zay or does he want to make an impact on the community and post the picture of the police scandal of them being paid off. And he opts for, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to follow my career. And then at the end, you're like, well, he technically didn't do anything wrong, but I don't know if he did what was correct either. (laughs) You're just kind of like, even at the end of the day, even rocket is kind of out for himself. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but it is definitely one of those, like it's not one of these very clear, like, there's good there's bad and at the end of the movie the good guy prevails it is and we'll get into this with five points it's very much shot almost like a documentary but a living documentary and i think that's why it's so interesting and why it's so compelling to watch is i don't think there's a lot of movies out there that kind of follow the narrative and then just how this is shot because so much of it is as much as it's a story about Rocket, it's just as much a story about the slums that he grew up in and the people and the interaction and how things happened. And it's a little bit of basically how he eventually gets to where he is, where he gets to be, you know, the photographer. But so much of it is about all of the events that basically had to take place in order for him to get there and how a lot of it was, you know, you want to talk, it's not necessarily community that got him there, but it was the community through basically you know how awful things were kind of lined up perfectly for him to be able to kind of get where he was and even to that point i'm I'm being careful with my words because the whole idea of like oh it was so that he could get out but i i don't think he technically got out because even when the movie ends he gets the internship but a lot of it feels like the internship is going to be based on him going back into the slums and photographing places that they can't get photographers into so despite the fact that he gets his career that he wants he's still he still can't get out of the slums he's still there he's at least able to do what he wants though 
Yeah, and I think that rolls perfectly into your five point of war documentary because as you said, Rocket doesn't he, he doesn't do the he's not a martyr at the end of the day. He still wants to make his career. Like, yeah, he absolutely could have exposed the police, but I feel like that would have put a bigger price on his head, so to speak. But your point about war documentary is a five point. Yeah, because this is just following the reality, of, you know, covering the Vietnam War. You're just boots on the ground of a war. And th there were so many people in this movie that I at times rooted for. And yet I knew because I will say about this movie, what I didn't remember. And, and I'm going to ask you, did you have an overwhelming sense of dread watching this movie? Because I had it the whole time because the movie does such a great job of conveying how dangerous this environment is. So anybody that I got attached to, the movie kind of sets it up. Nobody's safe. You know, even when you look at the history of the apartment, which I thought that sh that shot, the way all that was done was brilliant. But it kind of shows you the life cycle of anybody in this world is not very long. It, it's true. But what's interesting about the movie, too, is that there's as much dread as there is, there's always like, I hate to say it, it's almost like living in that, that that ounce of hope that keeps you wanting to keep watching. And that that's somehow this this movie captures that we're like you're watching terrible things and just the, you know, the nitty gritty, the the reality of, of living in the slums and the, the death and the drugs and the destruction. But at the same time, all you're doing is you're you've you're being given those little sheds of hope. And like I think the score and the soundtrack is a large portion of this. It gives you the variety and the life of the people that are there that kind of keep you going with it. And then the colors, there's such bright colors and stuff like that, despite everything that's going on. So it winds up, you have, like, you somehow wind up having that hope that you feel the people that live in the slums have, and that gets them from day to day, gets you from scene to scene in this movie. And, and you said it perfectly. You, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I have a sense of dread in this movie, but it's not achieved in the typical way. Because as you said, this is... What this movie reminded me of was Goodfellas. Like, it's mm -hmm. just got such a pace to it. And, you know, some could say Goodfellas glamorizes, you know, the mafia life. There is nothing glamorous about this movie. But yet, like you said, you know, you have a scene at a disco. And, you know, for 75% of that scene, you're, you're dancing along. You're keeping up with the pace. But yet you just know in this world, violence is ready to erupt at any moment. And like I said, nobody is safe because there are so many characters that I find myself watching this almost for the first time and I get attached to them and they get killed unceremoniously, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what this world would be. And, and I guess technically it's revealed at the end of this movie that this is based upon a true story. Um, so maybe that's where some of that reality comes from. But yeah, I while the movie is upbeat, the soundtrack's popping, it's 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 colorful, there's still this just ugly dread that you can't avoid feeling as characters you actually gravitate to die. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and the last thing I'll say about War Dog before we can move on to it is I think what winds it, we've, we touched on it, what sets this apart is kind of that broken narrative because it winds up being, it does feel like somebody telling a story and like, oh, you know, we're at a point here and it's one of those things that I think it's also one of my complaints and I, it's it's hard to say a complaint, but because of the, the broken narrative, there's things that I noticed and granted it had been a long time since I've seen the movie too. Like there's, there's a, a moment where Zay, little Z encounters knockout Ned before you even know who knockout Ned is. Like he bumps into, and I'm pretty sure that's him. He bumps into him and like knocks him in the head and stuff like that. It's like, watch out, watch out. And you don't realize that's knockout Ned until much later in the movie. And I'm like, Oh, the only reason I know that's because I've seen this movie and I remember the act. Cause I love, I love the actor who played knockout Ned, like his performance to me in this movie, like so many great performances, but for whatever reason, he stands out to me. Um, I love, love knockout Ned, but, uh, like I said, it's it's one of those where sometimes I feel like the narrative winds up getting broken and I'm introduced to characters that I don't know to care about or recognize until later. And they're like, oh, there is some relevance to the person like even Benny. It's funny how often you see Benny in the beginning of the movie and you don't realize how much of an impact he's going to have. It's honestly, if it weren't for his glasses, you almost wouldn't even realize that he's supposed to be the same character with, with little, little dice. Now, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I just that is one of the 
the things I think is interesting about the movie that I think if when you rewatch it, sometimes you pick up on some more of the stuff because you know what the story is and it makes the broken narrative, I think, work a little bit more because you know what's happening. But uh, yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to say about War Dog. It's just that there's definitely moments in the movie, hell, the, the, the scene when Benny dies and just how disorienting that is. Like to me, that is almost like a war and like the flashing lights and all that and how disorienting it is when, um, was it Blackie comes in and accidentally shoots Benny in, instead of, uh, instead of little Zay, like, yeah, it just, it goes back, back more and more back into basically the war and, and the in, unpredictability of, of the slums. Yeah, um, could could I move into one of my five points? Yeah, um, and and I think this one, this is not one that overlaps with yours, but Zed's dead, baby. Um, do do you know where I'm going with that? Just first question. I mean, it's a Pulp Fiction quote. So. It is. It is. <laughs> um, so when when people Z Zed when little Zay, here's what I'll say. Hot take. After watching this movie again. To me, he is a top 10 villain in the history of movies. He, I cannot recall watching a movie and wanting someone to get their comeuppance more than Lil Dice slash Lil Zay. And part of that is due, can we just talk about number one, the child actor that plays Lil Dice? Apparently had no acting experience and only was in this movie because he accompanied one of his friends that were auditioning for the role and they cast him. I've never seen and I'm including Joffrey from Game of Thrones. I've never seen a kid portray evil the way that Lil Dice does. And I think that's what makes it such a great villain is because a lot of times, especially in today's cinema, it's always a sympathetic villain. Like and even Little Dice comes up from from, you know, the slums and stuff like that from poverty. But it's when you go back and they they reveal the scene when he kills everybody at the motel and you realize he is like evil incarnate like he is a kid who's like and his his comment is why should they have all the fun he goes in there and notices that everything's been sold and just starts killing people and that he like in the movie basically describes like he had bloodlust and he finally got it at that moment like He's a kid. He couldn't be older than what seven years old, and he has a he wants to kill that badly. And you're like, what environment could have produced something so sinister? And I think that, and to your point, makes him such such an unlikable villain when he's older because there's just nothing redeeming about him because he's always been so awful. And not only that, it, it's not like he just comes upon the the motel, you know, and these people tied up. He's given a gun and told, hey, you're going to have to watch lookout if the police come shoot this window out. And the police never come. He just shoots the window out because he has to, like you said, he's got the bloodlust. He has to get involved. So he puts even his, you know, quote unquote, you know, compatriots in that endeavor. He his puts brother. them in danger. Wait, One is of it? His, I think Shaggy's his brother, isn't it? One of them is his no. actual. I think is his actual brother. Goose Goose was Rocket's brother, and I thought Shaggy was his brother. Uh, that might be the case. I didn't think so, but I might be wrong on that. I, I thought it said that Shaggy was his actual brother. But either way, you cut it. He mm-hmm. puts their lives in jeopardy just so again he can go in and kill people. And the thing again that makes him so unlikable is he sets off a a, a domino effect. That leads to the death. It leads to so much destruction just by him. Because you think they, you know, the police move into the favelas even more because of all these murders. When, you know, the what is it, the tender trio? That's what mm-hmm. they're called in this movie. They had no intention of killing anyone, and they don't even realize that people have been killed. So just yeah, the chain reaction that Lil Zay slash Lil Dice sets off just makes him so unlikable. And then if you want to talk about the adult version of him, Jesus Christ, like. I, I jotted them down. The, the scenes that any one of these scenes would make him one of the most unlikable villains in history. And he's got multiple just atrocities portrayed in this movie. Um, How many of them involve Ned and Ned's family? <laughs> I assume yeah. a, a, a fistful of them, huh? And uh, we, we like to talk about characters living with a code. 
The only complaint I have about this movie is when Lil Dice becomes a little Zay, he goes to some sort of like voodoo shaman. Do you recall mm-hmm. that scene? Yeah. And the voodoo shaman or or whatever he is tells him, hey, I'm going to give you this this amulet, this necklace, and you can never fornicate with it on or it'll spell your doom. And he commits the rape of Knockout Ned's girlfriend while he's got the amulet on. It's such a disturbing scene because it's just the amulet swaying as he's mm-hmm. as he's raping or terrible, terrible scene. I, I could have done without the voodoo stuff because he's already breaking his own code. He so he told the runts and everybody else, no raping, no killing in the favela. And then he does that exact thing. I think remove the voodoo shit. Mm-hmm. He broke his own code and that's why he ultimately dies. I thought that was too much. But again, that's such a atrocious scene and, and a betrayal of or a portrayal of, of how awful Lil Zay is. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's uh, there's that. I mean, just the gunning down of the innocents, torturing the kids when he tortures the 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 two little runs that they caught, and then ultimately makes Steak and Shake kill another child. Like again, he just yeah, the Zay is just again evil incarnate. Um, I think that transitions pretty well into poetic justice, so we'll go there. Uh, with that, I just want to say, I think it's interesting that... And I consider Ned an antagonist at a certain point in the movie. He starts as a... I won't say a protagonist, but he starts as, I think, kind of a, a guiding force for Rocket. Um, but I definitely think he becomes an antagonist, definitely because of the, you know, just the the war that he helps create in the slums. But I do think it is funny that both of them are undone by breaking their code. Because as you said, we're, we love men of codes. You talked about little Zay um, got killed breaking the code with raping. It's also interesting that he winds up being killed by the one that both men are killed by what they hate the most. And for to me, little Zay was being treated like a child and being disrespected. And then ultimately what kills him is when he mistreats the children the runs treats them like children and and then disrespects them and then they wind up shooting him down so i mean it's basically he killed is killed the same way he wound up killing goose or the tinder trio right and then you have knockout ned who ultimately is gunned down in revenge because ned killed an innocent person you know they went to go and rob the the bank and winds up killing the security guard and that's what winds up ending ned and you know at, at the end of the day both of them wind up dying at you know at Ned is definitely the Harvey Dent of the movie, you know. You either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. But both of them wind up dying at the hand by virtue of basically breaking off from what their code was. Yeah, and God, what a gut punch it was when Ned gets killed. Because to your point, at first you're pissed off that the kid shoots him, but then you realize why he's doing it. And you're like, yeah, Ned kind of became the very thing he was fighting. So yeah, to your point, he, he does become Harvey Dent. And that's what I was mentioning. Like you just get attached to characters and you think that they're doing the right thing. And yet because of the, the circumstance and the environment that they're in, it's almost impossible to quote unquote, do the right thing. And I think it's interesting. There was a moment, a brief moment in this movie where I kind of was like, Hey, Lil Zay is not that bad. You know, there's no more murder. There's no more rape. People are just selling drugs, but an innocent person is not going to get harmed in the favela. Now he quickly throws that away, but it's mm-hmm. just interesting how many times in this movie you can kind of side with each individual character. And yet, you know, again, because of circumstance, they can't do right. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ned, I mean, they've rocket even tells you in a, in the commentary, like the people thought Ned was going to be their savior. Like he tells you up front, Ned's going down the path and you're just like, no, Ned can't. Ned can't do that. Knockout Ned. He's he's going to be the man of the people. And then you watch him basically just stoop down to the level of, of little Zay and be completely consumed by revenge inciting with, you know, Carrot, who was just, you know, opportunistic and, and saw an opportunity. Oh, Lord redundant there. Uh, saw the opportunity to to use Ned against Zay. How did you feel about the narration? Because you kind of just mentioned it there. Several times the narration undercuts what's going to happen. Like uh, the one that sticks out in my mind is when they're talking about Ned or Rocket's talking about Ned. Like, you know, it looked like he was going to get his revenge and X, Y, and Z, but the City of God had different plans. 
Did you feel that undercut the tension at all? I don't think so, because like we were just talking, like you're still rooting for Ned, even though you like he clearly tells you what's going to happen with Ned. And you're just like you're still invested, like, no, Ned needs to get revenge. You just don't realize how far he's going to go down. Uh, So and I think it goes back into that how the movie is almost shot like a war documentary like there's certain points where like you know the end of the story before it even started and it doesn't stop you from feeling the tension like what is going to happen what is going to be the aftermath of all of this yeah it it didn't deflate the movie at all for me and then the other consideration is the narration is coming as a translation so Mm mm-hmm if any of the the narration seems clumsy, I have to also remember, hey, this is being translated from its its native, native tongue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, do you want to do sell the farm or no one gets out alive? I think it's the same thing. Is my oh. hunch? <laughs> okay. Um, because I I say the reason I named it sell the farm is because two different times in this movie characters talk about getting out of the slums, getting out of the life and becoming a farmer mm-hmm. living on a farm. Um, God, I cannot, now I'm going to struggle to remember the person who does it at the beginning. Is it uh, Shaggy's girlfriend? Bernice? Yeah. So Shaggy and Bernice talk about getting out, living on a farm. And then shortly after Shaggy is gunned down uh, by the police as he's trying to escape and push the car. And then later on, Benny kind of has the same aspiration and again i had i did not remember any of this movie and as soon as benny kind of expresses that that's his plan that's what he wants to do with um uh oh gosh uh is it veronica i think it's i can't remember yeah i think it's something like that he wants to get out of the life he basically tells little zay hey i'm leaving and as soon as he mentioned going and, and living on a farm and becoming a farmer i knew he was a goner um, but that could kind of be, like you said, nobody gets out alive. So that's why I thought it was the same thing. It's just, I, I liked the movie put that same fine point on two different characters in two different eras. One in the 60s, one in the 70s. They both had the same dream and the city of God is not going to let them accomplish it. Mm. Uh, the character's name is Angelica, I believe. Angelica. Okay. There um, you go. Thank you. But yes, and so I'll bring up the other characters that try and leave and can't get out, but I think Benny is a great example of Benny Benny leaving the city of God, however that was, had no difference of what was going to happen. And I don't know if this is, you know, it's based on true events. I don't know if this actually happened. I think at the end they showed a picture of Benny, but, you know, what exactly happened, I don't know. But narratively, Benny leaving would have had the same effect on little Zay because it was basically the only angel, only, you know, any kind of angel that little Zay had conscience was basically in Benny. And you removed that. You knew where this was going to go because now there was nothing to hold back with little Zay. So to have him die at the hands of a friend that was trying to kill little Zay and have him die before he can get out. To me, the only reason you do that is again, to just really hit home. No one gets out alive. You cannot escape. There is no way to get it. Whenever you have a plan, you, you the city of God, the slums will bring you back in. No one escapes. Um, you know, Bernice, even though Shaggy gets gunned down, she's still in the car trying to get out of there. You find out Bernice winds up right back because she's the girlfriend of one of the guys. Like they, they did you catch that? When they bring- I did not. When when you first get introduced to an older little dice before he becomes little Zay, he's going and talking about all the drug dealers. And one of them is he talks about, oh, and Bernice, that was he. Oh, That's and because I'm right. pretty sure Benny says that he was your 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 brother's girl or something like that. So Bernice doesn't get out. They even make a point to show you Bernice didn't get out. Um Goose is killed, even though everybody believes he was trying to, you know, Goose was like, I've got to get out of the slums. I'm just going to leave. He gets killed by by Little Dice. Um, Even when Little Dice shoots up the motel and goes to run, he just winds up in the slums, you know, with Benny doing things. He can't get out. Knockout Ned talks about how he went to school into the army and still got sucked back into the slums and couldn't get out of it. Um, And then that's why, you know, my biggest evidence that... Despite the fact that Rocket gets 
the job he wants. He gets to be a photographer. I don't think he gets out of the slums. I think it just makes it more bearable for him. Um, and again, I, I didn't look into if the, the, you know, Rocket is an actual person and if he did make it out or anything like that. But to me, with the, the way the movie decides to end that story is that, no, I mean, Rocket is still very much in the slums of the you know, of, of Rio de Janeiro. It's just he got to be, he gets to be a photographer now. Like, you know, he gets to follow that dream despite still being in these just terrible circumstances. Yeah, and, and I, as you kind of alluded to, you can imagine a future for Rocket where, yes, he's a valuable photographer and he's very talented, but from the outside world or whatever employer would employ him, his value is to be in that slum, to be in the city of God. If you're not reporting on that, you're not as valuable. So, uh, again, his life expectancy cannot be that long because of the nature of the work that they're going to ask him to do. Yep. So that concludes five point for me. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to talk about, but we can, we can jump into another segment if you're ready. Yeah, no, I think we hit it pretty well. What do you got next? Let's do some blue book. So Travis, I don't know what the R means. Oh, I might need to, might have needed to uh uh Brazilian currency, I would assume. Yeah, I was about to say I might have actually yeah. needed to well give me a second, let me see if I can one real is twenty US dollars. So we're gonna do blue book. I'm not sure how accurate this is gonna wind up being. So according to the research, the sticker price of this here book book, movie, <laughs> it was a book first. Yeah, it's an estimated three million three hundred thousand dollars, but it, it's an R, so I'm assuming that's Brazilian reals. If we do the translation, or the exchange, sorry, yeah, we're fun here. <laughs> if we do the exchange, that would be approximately six hundred. We'll we'll round up six hundred fifty thousand dollars would be the budget of this movie. Wow. Travis, assuming that knowledge, what do you think this grossed U.S. and Canada? Uh, I'm going to temper my expectations, but I know this was a, a, a pretty big hit, at least critically. I'll say $12.5 million. So it made $7.5 million. Damn it. I was going to guess eight. Uh, so I'm looking at this. It does say the budget was 3.3 million, which would still make sense. Like I understand that it's in a, I don't know. I'll let, if anybody wants to dig further into it, that's on you. All right. I've given you the information. (laughs) Do you want to, do you want to guess what it grows worldwide? Uh, I do believe that this was like Brazil's biggest blockbuster of all time at the time uh so worldwide we know it made at least eight in u.s and canada i'll say 22 million dollars uh we'll round up a little bit here 31 million dollars okay okay yeah it's so probably probably 10 times its budget if if it was actually three million u.s yeah and that's what i'm thinking is like Again, it puts the R in front of it, so I'm not entirely sure. But I don't know. It made a lot of money. That's that's all you need to know. Is this was a commercial success? Brazilian. I don't mean to get ahead of ourselves, but did you do tag and title this week? Considering that the taglines were probably in a different language. Yeah. Are you are you going to say them in Portuguese? No, they were translated. Oh. Please, I wish I could speak Portuguese. Alrighty, sir. Speaking of which, are you ready for some tag and title? I am, but please do it in Portuguese. A Portuguese. So, Travis, I'm going to give you three taglines. One tagline is going to be an official tagline for this movie. One tagline is going to be for a movie I found adjacent. And the third is going to be a tagline I created myself. What I need you to do, first tag and title of 2023... I need you to tell me what is the official tagline 
of 2003's City of God. Are you ready? Yes. Blessed Light, Forsaken Shadows. Coming soon to a hood near you. And if you run, the beast will get you. If you stay, the beast will eat you. Um, the second one is Boys in the Hood. That's Maybe. gonna be I my prediction there. Yeah, I don't know. that's gonna be my prediction. It's tough because that last one is clumsy, but I'm also thinking you had to, it was a translation. I almost gave you credit for translating it, but. Um, <laughs> Over here with a Portuguese to English dictionary trying to <laughs> figure out. Are you sure that's the one? Uh, so, all right, give me the first one one more time. Blessed Light, Forsaken Shadows. That's an authentic tagline. The third one is the one you made up. The middle is Boys in the Hood. Final answer. Okay. You got Boys in the Hood. I knew it. Blessed Light, Forsaken Shadows. I was trying to play off of the city of God and like God's light, like living in the shadows of God's light. Everything I came up with was clumsy with the exception of that one. And then if you run, the beast will get you. If you stay, the beast will eat you is an official tagline for the movie. In addition to... Drugs, guns, music, love. 15 miles from paradise, one man will do anything to tell the world everything. Based on a true story, and if you run, it will get you. If you stay, it will eat you. Okay, that's a that's a solid tagline. The uh, the the official one that you use. That's a, a pretty accurate depiction of what this movie is. Uh, yours, I just assumed that you had a pinky up drinking some tea because that was <laughs> pretentious as fuck, Brett. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we'll do alignment, time cap, and then I actually have a chop shop for us this week. So alignment, Travis, of, well, what is your what is your rating of this on a scale of 1 to 100? Because we're using Rotten Tomatoes as our, as our alignment source. We're going to see what critics thought and what the general audiences thought. Um, it's a 95 for me. All like right. I, I have just very, very, very minor complaints. I think I kind of already mentioned them. I thought the whole voodoo thing with Lil Zay was unnecessary because again, his code that he explicitly speaks in the movie, he breaks and that should have been enough for him to die. I didn't need the supernatural element of he's fucking with his ambulance on. You know, I, I didn't need that. But other than that, I think it's a, a perfect movie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to five points for that one little one little one little slip. So, yeah, 95, 95. All right. Travis, do you think you're above or below the critic out of 164 critics? Do you think you're above or below their rating of this movie? I'm going to say I'm right on right on. Yep. All right. You're a little over of 164 critics. Ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Still certified fresh. Audience score, where do you think you stack up against them? Out of two of over 250,000 reviews. I'll say I'm slightly below. Again, I'll use my tried and true logic. Nobody is going to review this movie unless they were compelled to watch it and therefore love it. All right. Good deal. 97% of audiences. So, yep. Good deal, sir. All right, you got a time cap for us? I do. And it actually ties in with a movie that if we keep with the new format, we're definitely going to review next year. There is a gentleman in this movie who also appeared in the Denzel Washington underrated classic Man on Fire. Oh, geez, who? Um, Let me, let me. Actually, let me go to my notes. Um, it was, uh, God, I'm going to butcher this name. Guerrero Camillo, uh, who played Shorty, who is the man who his wife cheats on him and he beats her to death with a shovel and then buries her in their bedroom. Oh, shit. He basically he plays is... the same character, doesn't he? He plays the cousin he... or whatever it is. 
Yes, he ends up being either the cousin or the brother of the big bad in Man on Fire, who Denzel Washington ultimately, spoilers for Man on Fire, uh, exchanges for Dakota Fanning's character, Pita. And the reason I recognize him right away is because he has got the smallest head and the biggest ears uh, <laughs> that I think I've ever seen. Actually, I take that back. We reviewed Men in Black, uh, but those were special effects when Tommy Lee Jones shoots the guy's head off and Tony Shalhoub's head grows back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tiny head, big old ears. Uh, he plays Shorty in this movie, and he also appears a year or two years later in Man on Fire. That's That was a good time, Cap. I didn't even as think soon it as until I saw you said him, it. Yeah, it was over. Time capsule got it. It's interesting because you said that. I noticed. I was like, I've seen him in something else. I couldn't put my. I'm like, I'm surely it wasn't just City of God, but I could not put my finger on what I had seen him in. Yep. Imagine Denzel Washington holding him at gunpoint, leading him across a bridge. <laughs> uh, so you, you is said that you have how a chop shop. Again, spoilers, yes, it, it does end on the bridge and we go to the recycled gladiator score. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Creasy Beer being in the back of the the car driving off, but you're right. It was with the brother too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I think it was his like his brother. So yep. All right, chop shop. namesake of the show we're getting back to it right we took a little break off of this segment but i think we're gonna we're gonna we're committing to get back into it a little bit more so you told me you thought this when i told you i had a chop shop ready for this week you told me this movie was unchoppable that was your thought yeah it's it's just so perfect and not only perfect but so dense there are so many layers and so much going on it's telling the story of not a single character, not five characters of a, a basically a whole city. So I, I don't I don't know what you could possibly do with this. So I, it wasn't a major chop. Um, it is a sci-fi movie. That's what I chopped it into. I'm hoping uh, I do well. Most of the movie I keep intact. It's just in a sci-fi setting. But we'll see. We'll see what you think of it. All right. Tell me if I was successful at the end, or if I should have left a masterpiece alone. So the movie is set on a mining colony on a moon around Mars. The colony is a low income, and uh, the resources they produce go to a rejuvenated Earth where only the elite live. So we're thinking, like, Mars is now kind of a slum. Maybe not even Mars, just like these mining colonies are. Earth is a beautiful landscape once again. Yep. What? Have you seen the movie Elysium with Matt Damon? I haven't, but I'm going... Is that that a piece of that? Uh... So far, Adjacent? that's, that's okay. what it's reminded me of, yeah. Uh, Rocket gets his name because he's always talking about blasting off and, and taking and making so, himself of something um, while his friends and family have accepted their fate. After watching the death of the Tinder trio, Rocket notices a man... Again, it's take, most of the movie stays intact, just changing the setting a little bit. But um, after watching the death of the Tinder trio, Rocket notices a man taking pictures, like the movie, of the events. He admires the camera he has, and at a certain point... The man looks over at Rocket with bewilderment before gunfire erupts, and he is shot and killed in the crossfire. The cameraman is. In the confusion, Rocket grabs the camera and runs into hiding. Um, many of the same steps as the movie. The movie jumps in time uh, to Rocket as a teenager. The movie follows many of the same notes, highlighting people's struggles to survive or escape the city of God. Rocket continues to take pictures of the slums over the years, interacting with various hoods, runs, and residents. It's not long before he starts to realize his photos are showing up in newspapers. Rocket goes to the office and discovers that his camera automatically uploads pictures to their servers. Um, For years, they've been trying to find out who the photographer is, but were never able to do so. They pay him for all the pictures um, and they... um, that they used, and they hire him to continue documenting the conflict of the slums. When the manager asks where he gets the camera or where he got the camera, he describes the man in his hometown. The office manager makes a comment that he was a field reporter at the time, um, but he doesn't really recall anyone being dispatched to that area of town, but he could be mistaken. Uh, Rocket goes 
to the paper of oops uh okay yeah um movie continues rocket documents the war and the death of little zay and ned um so where the this is basically where the city of god ends i take it a little bit further about rocket and his career so he's given awards and has a very successful career in the future we jump again to a future where time travel exists with special permissions, news outlets are allowed to travel back in time and document events to update history, revisionist history, whatever you want to say, make it you know accurate. Rocket is hired to go back to the slums that he grew up in because he would know the area better than anybody else and know where to go to make sure that he's capturing the events accurately. He's given an era-appropriate camera and sent back. We watch him as he uncovers the truth of the motel he watches where Little Dice goes, bumps into his brother Goose, and watches him die. He follows Shaggy, knowing where he will die so he can document what really happened there. After Shaggy is killed, he begins to take pictures when he looks up and notices a younger version of himself. The movie ends. Well done. I, I like that. As soon as, soon as you... <laughs> introduce time travel? <laughs> time travel, I'm like, yeah, that's it. We're going to tie back to the beginning, which well done well done it kind of gave me uh a little bit of a 12 monkeys vibe yes i was gonna say 12 monkeys definitely is where i kind of started there where he watches his own death um but yeah to me it just goes back into the whole themes of no one ever escapes so even despite the fact that rocket becomes successful and we see where he goes he still winds up dying in the slums because no one ever gets out god yeah that well done well Way to take the the motif of the movie, even down to like the tagline, uh, you know, you can't escape the beast, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I love introducing the the, the sci fi time travel element. So well done, well done. Glad yeah. to uh, glad to have the segment back. Yep, nothing too fancy or long, but I thought you know, to your point, the the, the movie I I didn't really want to change much of the movie. It's just literally kind of placing it in a futuristic setting and then adding maybe another fifteen. 15-ish minutes to an already long movie at the end where we see his career and him go back in time. So, Yeah, and I mean, like you said, thinking about when you were just talking about the movie as a whole, what happens to Rocket after? Because it's it's not necessarily a happy ending. It's it's a very morally gray ending, which, again, War Doc, yeah. It, well done, well done. Thank you, sir. So I think that concludes our, our episode, our first episode of... 2023 uh new format as we said earlier so we'll do one movie from 20 years ago we'll do one movie that uh won an oscar and then the third movie will be something of our choice to kind of tie the first two together into a trilogy as we like doing so with this first one we have city of god our oscar movie is West Side Story, the original, because it has to be the Oscar-winning one. And then, uh, what is it? The Warriors, because it is a... The Warriors, yeah. It's a cult classic that neither of us have seen. So it's one of those I understand most of the references, I think, from that movie, but I have never actually seen it. And to clarify for the audience, Brett, when you say Oscar winner, are you referring to Best Picture only? Yes, or... Best Picture. Best Picture there winners. So, yep. Yep. So. And uh, let me, a little aside, Brett, I agreed to West Side Story because I made a very stupid assumption. My assumption was a musical from the 60s, it's got to be short, you know, we're probably talking <laughs> 75 minutes, 90 minutes at the max. That son of a bitch is two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. And it's long. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, I believe three minutes shorter than the updated version that just came out last year. So uh, I made a grave, grave miscalculation. Um, so, yeah, is, is that what we're doing next week, Brett? I think that's what we're doing next week. So uh, you might want to gear up so you can so you can do it. Multiple Watch settings. it over four nights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Break it into segments. <laughs> oh. Yeah, which I'll go ahead and just spoilers if if I do a chop shop on it, which that's my goal. I, I wanna I wanna match your effort 
Uh, maybe not in quality, but at least the fact that I, I've done it. But maybe if I watch it over four nights, it'll naturally become a miniseries for me. <laughs> so, hey, that works. You know, if every time you watch a little bit and then you write that segment, then yeah, I think it'll it'll naturally just kind of become that. So, <laughs> I think what you're saying, Brett, is whatever gets me through it. This is what yes. I'm hearing from you. At this, so, and with that said, I think the the format going forward with Chop Shops, I don't think we're going to spin the Wheel of Destiny more. I think it's just going to be if you watch a movie and you get an, an itch, go for it. Make make it into something else as opposed to forcing ourselves to try and do it. Um, I mean, we did it for the better part of a year. And it's it's a fun exercise, but I think this will open us up to, to getting some good ones. So, Yeah, I'm going to put Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in everything make it happen it'll some, <laughs> if that, that's that's your legacy is, is rudolph <laughs> uh, uh but yes city of god cannot recommend it enough if you're like me you don't watch many foreign films with subtitles it, honestly probably 30 minutes in i forgot that i was reading the subtitles that's how engrossing it is so yeah not an easy watch by any means. I mean, you literally watch children killing children, but mm -hmm. uh, it is a great movie, and I would almost say a, a necessary movie to, to see. So that, that's my final thought. Absolutely. I would say it is... Uh, for anybody who enjoys movie experiences, you have to watch it at least once. And then, except for general audiences, I, I just I think it's a very... It's a different movie, and I... I, I think by the end of it you'll you'll like that you watched it i can't promise people will go back and watch it multiple times or fall in love with it like we did but i i don't think anybody will watch it and regret the fact that they watched it so with that we bid you adieu travis do you have any final words for us i'm a playboy now Uh, okay. Well, what about this one? A lady named Angelica had a seven... Had, <clears throat> take it from the top. Not, not from the top, just from my line. Um, what's the word when you want to convert them? I'm, I look like an idiot right now. Exchange. <laughs>